So if you missed the last couple of weeks, let me sort of catch you up. We are talking about the, the four things that really we built our whole ministry around. Our whole ministry here at City Hills is built pretty simply around four big promises that we think God has made every person. And it's found in the promises that God made the children of Israel when they were leaving Egypt. God tells Moses, the deliverer, the person who brings them out of Egypt, he says, here's some promises I want you to give. And actually these are called the, the I will statements, the four I will statements of God to his people. And I think that they're still true to you today. They're found in Exodus 6. The Bible says this, Therefore say to the Israelites that I am the Lord, and here's the first one, I will bring you out. We said that that first thing is that God wants to save you. Like the first thing God wants to do in your life, ultimately the biggest thing God wants to do in your life is bring you out from being a slave to the Egyptians, under the yoke of the Egyptians. Like I want you to know God. I don't want you to know about God. I don't want you to have knowledge of or you know, I know about church or religion. I want you to know God like deep in your heart. Then he said, not only will I bring you out, but I will free you from being slaves to them. Now, that sounds like the first one, but it's different. The first one is when God brings you out of Egypt. The, the second one is when God takes Egypt out of you. Amen, everybody? It's freeing us from attitudes and habits and hang-ups and stuff in our past, like settling our yesterdays so that we're free from being slaves. And then here's the one we're going to talk about today. Here's the third I will statement. He said, I will redeem you. With an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I want you to underline that and hold your finger there in your Bible. I'll redeem you with an outstretched arm with mighty acts of judgment. And then he says, after all three things I'm going to do for you personally, which is this. The reason why I'm preaching this leading up to our birthday is because next week, here's the ultimate thing I think God wants to do in your life. Is I want to put you in a faith family. I'll take you as my own people. Like it's the reason why I think church is so important. Because for three times God says I'm going to do something for you. And then he says I'm going to do something as you collectively like we can do more together than we can apart amen everybody he said I'm going to take his my own people and I'll be your God and then you'll know that I'm the one that brought you out under the yoke of the Egyptians so we talked about that what are are called the four cups actually the four I will statements that first cup is the cup of salvation that God says I I will like I'll bring you out from under the yoke I'll, I'll bring you from being slaves to them and fill you up all that emptiness and the stuff in your life that you feel like you're separated from God. I'm going to bring you out from all of that. And then the second one, the second is the cup of what we call deliverance last week. Or really finding that freedom. Finding that place where you, you say, I, I don't just know God, but really I'm free from the past, the hang-ups. I can't move on into my tomorrow until I settle my yesterdays. Amen, everybody. And so today I want to talk about that, that third I will statement. Exodus 6 and 6. He says, I will redeem you. With an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I'll redeem you. I'll redeem you. So the first one is, I'll bring you out and then I'll free you and I'll redeem you. And they all kind of sound the same, but redemption is very different. Listen close. When you redeem something, you buy it back. Like you redeem, you, you know, a coupon. All my couponers, where you at? All my, all my crazy... Did anybody ever watch that extreme couponing on TV? I'm all about that stuff. I don't, I don't like... If I got behind you in line, I'd be mad at you. I'd hate you, but I love watching it on TV. You redeem that. You, you say, listen, I'm going to turn this in, and you're going to give me something in light of that. I, I'm going I'm to bring And so God tells the people of Israel, He says, listen, I don't just want to bring you out of Egypt. I don't just want to free you from being slaves to them and, and deal with that yesterday's, that slave mentality. He says, I want to redeem you and really do something with you. It's more than just you coming out of Egypt. I want you to start doing the thing that I've designed for you to do. I didn't design for you to be slaves. Now you got to imagine, Moses is saying this to a group of people who have been slaves for 400 years. 
generationally they have grown up in this slave mentality and this is all we're ever going to be in. And parents would have kids, and kids would have kids, and kids would have kids. And generationally, they would start thinking, man, I guess this is all there is to life. I guess this is what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be slaves. We're supposed to be Hebrews living in Egypt, and I guess this is the way it's always going to be. We're always going to make bricks. And God said, no, 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 you don't understand. Not only am I going to get you out of that, not only am I going to get all of that out of you and you know, free you from all of that junk on the inside of you, He said, now I want to give you a purpose in your life. I want to redeem you so you can do the thing I've called you to do. Listen close. This is where so many people miss the, miss the fulfillment of their Christianity. I really believe that's the reason why people go to church week after week, year after year, generation after generation, and never find the joy of serving God. Never really find that thing that gives them real happiness. It's why you meet you know, Christians in Walmart and they're mean to you. I, listen to me. If you're going to walk around HEB or Walmart mad at the whole world, do not wear anything that has City Hills Church on it. You hear me? Wear somebody else's shirt. Go to go somebody else's church and get their shirt and wear their shirt. Don't tell people you're from City Hill. Don't do that. I don't care where else you go. Don't tell them you're from here. Because well, I think that you ought to be the happiest people, fulfilled, living the best life you ought to be living. But the reason we don't do that is not because we're not saved. It's not because we're not delivered. It's because we haven't been redeemed. It's because we don't know what to do in our lives. Now what do I do next? Webster says when you redeem something, it's like this. It says you buy it back or you repurchase it. It says you, you change it for the better or you reform it. or you. My favorite definition is this one. You, you restore it to what it is that God had originally designed for it to be. Anybody ever watch Antique Roadshow on all my old, older, uh, middle-aged old? <laughs> you, you think, man, I didn't know this thing. You're like you're going through your grandma's closet. You're going through you know, the, the jewelry box, and you take it to the people, and you're like, hey, is this worth anything? We were about to throw that away, and they were like, oh, my gosh, this is a rare diamond. This is worth a million dollars. And you're like, dang, grandma, go ahead, mama. Go ahead, tell me what I, what I got now. Now I got something of value, and I'm going to restore this now. I... Now this is, it's valuable to me. Listen close. Some people go to God and they go, yeah, God, I know you can save me from hell. Like, I, I'm okay with that. I get where you're at on that. I get even the deliverance portion where I got to settle my yesterdays. But I don't know if you can do anything else with my life. I don't know. Listen, God tells the Israelites, you weren't designed to make bricks in a mud pit. You were designed to live a productive life and a fulfilled life. And i got to be honest with you, I really believe in the nation of Israel, you'll see that. Like if you look from a, a whole race of people, an entire race, that for 400 years, every person that belonged to that nation and race was a slave. Every single person who was a Hebrew was a slave to the Egyptians for 400 years and now you look at what God's done with people of Jewish descent. It's absolutely amazing. Matter of fact, I read the other day that to date, to, to this day, 193 Nobel Prizes have gone to people of Jewish descent. Almost, a quarter, almost 25% of all Nobel Prizes have gone to people of Jewish descent. They're in mathematics and sciences. It's absolutely amazing that the amount of wealth, the amount of science, the amount of discoveries that have really God has redeemed them for their purpose. He said, I didn't mean for you to be slaves. I meant for you to be the head and not the tail. Amen, everybody? God's done that with the nation of Israel. And here's, listen close to you. I think that's what God wants to do for you. 
I think God has more potential in your life and more purpose in your life than just what it is that, you, that you've done previously or how it is that you came to God. You say, man, I came to God messed up. But you don't know what I've been through. I really believe the same potential rests inside of you. God says, I did it for them with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I'm redeeming them. And so God really wants you and I, listen, to go on this road of redemption. Of not just keeping you out of hell. I think most people serve God just so they don't go to hell. Now, it's a fair enough reason. i got to be honest with you. You know what I'm saying? Like It's a, it's a, it's a fair reason to, to initially come to God. But look at my eyes. Listen to me. Especially if you were raised in church. If you were raised around any sort of religious system whatsoever. Eventually, when lightning doesn't strike, you lose the joy of serving God. If the only reason you're serving Him for is not going to hell. It just it won't it won't give you fulfillment in this life. It just it just because it's in another life, and it's uh, you start thinking, man, I don't know, I'm, I'm not in hell now. This is pretty. Matter of fact, I kind of enjoy what I'm doing right now, and so and you lose your way and lose your potential and lose your purpose. Listen to me. The whole reason God saved you and delivered you is not so you'll go to heaven. Look at my eyes. It's so you'll find your purpose here. The whole reason God saved you is not to keep you out of hell. Is that part of the plan? You bet it's part of the plan. Is eternal life the the gift of God? You bet it's the gift of God. But God saved you now so that you could live your divine... He wants to redeem back that divine purpose. What I call the redemptive purpose of your life. He wants you to live a fulfilled life now. You were created for a specific assignment. A destiny. Now listen to me. Some of you have grown up in churches. You've never heard anybody tell you anything like that. You're going to have to erase all that stuff you thought about God. You thought, you thought God just had you here just so you wouldn't go to hell. You thought you're supposed to go to church just so you, know, you don't disappoint your grandma or your mom or your wife. Or you thought this whole thing was just about heaven and hell. And listen, that's a big part. Those are real things. The, reason, the, the ultimate reason why you know, we have a church is so people know God and heaven and hell are real places. But listen, once you get saved, once you settle your yesterdays, God's plan for you is not to live in that in-between time of trying to decide, now what am I going to do? Like, now what is my life all about? And I meet more people than not that, that, that say, I, I wish I knew what I was supposed to be doing in my life. I, I, when I counsel, especially 20-somethings, they sit, <laughs> sit down in my office. The number one question they ask, Pastor Miz, I don't know what to do with my life. I've got four degrees and all of them are in general studies. Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. All my general studies people where y'all had like, I haven't declared a major yet. I'm, I'm still thinking I'm in year nine, whatever. It's okay. I'm just, I'm thinking about it. I'm praying about what to do now. Really what you're saying is I need to know what my purpose is. Like I need to know what the thing is that God designed me to be. And there's some people who aren't 20s or 30s. There's some folks here that are 40 and 50 and 60 years old. And you've never moved beyond the time where God saved you and, 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 he, and he delivered you to really finding what do you want me to do? Like, what do you want me to, to do with my life? Like, how would you redeem my life? What's the plan you have for me? I think there's a reason why so few people drink from this cup. And I think it's, it's found in this passage. I think the first one is that they feel inferior. They just feel like, man, most people have an incorrect view of themselves and it comes to their past or it comes to their mistakes or it comes to their problems. They start thinking there's just no way. I'm inferior. Like there's no way God could use me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how low I am, how bad I am. Most people I meet say, I I think God could save me from hell, but I don't know if God could ever use me. David kind of felt that way too. Here's the way. I love the way David says this in Psalms 18. He says, you, look at this. 
you stoop down to make me great. I love that picture of God. He said, you stoop down to where I am. Listen, you don't have to get up to get to God. God said, I'll come to where you are. You can't ever stand up tall enough, reach up high enough, get good enough, clean up enough to get to God. So God said, I'll stoop down to where you are. But I'm not just going to pull you up to salvation. Listen close. He said, I'm going to pull you out of that pit and I'm going to make you great, everybody. I'm going to pull you up to a place of destiny and a place of purpose. And I know some of you already your eyes are rolling. You're thinking, man, I've heard this before. If you've heard this before and you're not living it, the reason why your eyes are rolling is because you don't know that you can live a great life. And then you've settled for a mediocre life. Mediocrity in my marriage, in my career with my kids. It's not great, but it's okay. Everything's doing okay. And God said, no, no, no. I didn't just bring you out of Egypt so that you could have an okay life. I want to redeem you. I want to restore you. I want to make you. I want you to see the greatness that's inside of you. Everybody shout amen to that. I feel it. I don't know if y'all do. I want, you to, I want you to see that greatness in you. And I, and I know what this is like in my own life. I was 14 years old the first time somebody put, put a microphone in my hand. And I remember standing up. Back in the old days in the old church, we had youth service. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Youth service? We, on Friday nights too. They ruined every football game my whole high school career. And mama, well, I promised my hand to God. My mom, well, I couldn't go. when I was dating, I was 18 years old. I couldn't miss youth service. Is that a true story? That's a true story. We couldn't miss youth service. Like, we had to go. That's my wife. <laughs> Some of you are like, who that girl? And so in youth service at 14 years old, my youth pastor put a microphone in my hand. And I'll never forget him writing a note. And it stood, like, I had my little notes here. And, and he, wrote, he wrote me a note there. So you're going to do great. You're going to do a fantastic job. And I looked at that the whole time. Listen, somebody had to prophesy into me what I couldn't see in myself. And there's some of you sitting in this room that you can't see greatness in you. I want you to open your spiritual heart. Look at my eyes. I want you to listen to me with your spirit. God has designed you for greatness. It doesn't matter how bad you feel. It doesn't matter how low you feel. It doesn't matter if you're past. You feel like, man, I, there's just no way God could use me. There's just no way. You don't know what I've done. No, no, no. Listen, I know that God has called you. Everybody say me. I grew up one time hearing a preacher. He, he pointed his long finger at me or what I felt like was at me. And he said, if you don't do what it is you're supposed to do, God has send somebody to, to fill your seat and do what it is you were called to do. Look at my eyes. That is not true. God may fill somebody to fill these seats. These seats are filling up, by the way. I love this church. You guys are, you guys are absolutely amazing. God, God may send somebody to sit in that seat, but look at me. God will never send somebody to do what God called you to do. If you don't fulfill the purpose God has for you, then there's a hole missing in life. Honestly, I really believe that. That if you don't do the thing God called you to do, you say, well, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. There's just no way God could. I feel inferior to it. It's the reason why people. And, and, and God says to Moses, he said, I'm going to have to use an outstretched arm to bring them up. Ephesians 2 says it this way, that we are God's masterpiece. Look at me. You're not a paint by number. I know that's what you feel like. You're a masterpiece. He said He created us anew. I want you to catch this language in, in Christ Jesus. So that He did not create you new. You didn't get saved so that you wouldn't go to hell. You didn't get saved so that you would go to heaven. You got saved. You got born again. Created new so that you can do the good things that He planned for you to do long ago. That's why God saved you. 
Now leave this passage here. Most people think that God saves you and then goes, Now what could I do with Don? What could I do? 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 Let's see. He's tall. He's dark. He's handsome. He's Hungarian. What? I mean, you know, he's... I don't know. What could I do with him? I, I, we, could, we could try this. We could try this. Let's, just, let's see what happens. God, God has just taken a chance on you. And so you try your hand at this business and it doesn't work. And you think, well, I guess God doesn't have a plan. Or you get married and that first marriage doesn't go the way that you thought it would go. And you think, well, I guess God doesn't have, you know, I guess it's over. God doesn't have a plan. That is not what Ephesians says. It doesn't say God looks at you and He goes, well, what could I do with them? He said, I planned something long before I created you. Look at my life. Look at my eyes, everybody. God has a purpose for you before He created you. God didn't create you and then give you a purpose. God gave you a purpose and then said, let me create you custom fit so you'll do this thing and only you can. That only you can do this thing in your life. That you have divine purpose from God. Even if you feel inferior. Even if you feel like you're just no way. I, I, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've come through. I don't know how it's going to work out. There's just no way in my life. There's no way that I could be this way. I, I, there's just I, I've done too much. I've gone too far. There's no way I can do it. And God says, no, no, no. You're a masterpiece. I've created you with purpose. But some of us feel inferior. The second reason why I think some of us don't discover their purpose purpose is because of a diversion there's a distraction in your life that comes up and you think man I don't know how this happens I don't know I was headed in the way that I felt like God had designed me some of you that's how you walked out of high school or you walked out of college or you walked out of that first marriage you think man this is the way I'm going and you start telling people this is what I want to be when I grow up anybody ever said something like that some of us like in in your 30s still talking about when I grow up this is what I want to be I want to be like this when I grow up And then you grow up, and it's not like you thought it would be. And there's a distraction that happens, a diversion in your life. Look at my eyes. You and I have a spiritual enemy, the devil, and he does not want you to fulfill your purpose. After you give your heart to Jesus, his number one plan from that moment till the moment you die is to keep you from fulfilling your purpose. It's to create a diversion in your life. It's to create distraction. And God said, listen, I'm going to have to use an outstretched arm to bring you up out of your inferiority. And I'm going to have to use mighty acts of judgment to redeem you. Look at me. The acts of judgment are not for you. The mighty acts of judgment are for the enemy. God says, I'm going to fight against everything that's fighting against you. Would you say amen to that, everybody? God said, I'm going to fight against everything that's been put in your way. That distraction there. What could it be? For some of you, it's not even sin. Look at me. For some of us, it's our career. And for 25 years, we've worked on making money. And we still go to bed depressed. And for 30 years, we've climbed the corporate ladder only to get to the top and realize it's linked up against the building we wish it wasn't. Now what do I do? Now I got money and I got a career, but I'm not living my purpose. Maybe it's your hobby and it gets in the way. Is the hobby the sin? No, but it gets in the way of doing what it is God has planned for me or problems or maybe it's tragedy that comes in your life. It's anything that keeps you out of that way. It's anything that derails you from your purpose and the enemy will do anything he can in your life to distract you from your purpose. A relationship that you shouldn't be in. A career that you start chasing after. A financial ruin. A tragedy in your life. And you get off course. And now you've lost your way. And 20 years later, you look back over your life and think, how did I get here? I thought it was going to be different. 
I thought I was going to live a life full of purpose. Paul said it happened to me. He said this in 1 Thessalonians, we, we wanted to come to you very much. And I, Paul, tried again and again. The Apostle Paul, listen close. But Satan created a diversion. He said Satan prevented us. If you'll look up this word, this word prevented in the original Greek, it literally means to cut a ditch in the road. It literally means like a diversion, like a prevention of a ditch in the road. And some of you, that's your life. The story of your life is I was headed this way in my teens and I was 20 and 25 and 27 years old. I was going this way and suddenly a ditch opened up in the road. And I've spent the next 10 years of my life trying my best to claw my way out of a divorce. Claw my way out of financial ruin. Claw my way out of a miscarriage. Claw my way out of, out of, I didn't mean for it to happen, but there's a ditch there now. And I can't get back to my purpose because of this diversion. And God said, I'll tell you what I'll do, Israelites. I know I want so desperately for you to live your purpose, the thing that I've called you to do, that I, with mighty acts of judgment, He said, I'm going to step in. I'm going to confront any enemy that confronts you. That's worth shouting amen about everybody. That God is fighting today while you sit here purposeless and lost with that look in your eyes thinking, what am I supposed to do with my life? Why am I not happy? Why am I not fulfilled? Why am I not doing the dream that God put on the inside of me God says I'll tell you what I'll do if you'll do your part I'll do my part I'll fight for you and I'll fight for your dream shout amen to that everybody whatever comes in your life false relationships or distractions or debt God says I'll confront all of that Romans 8 said then I'll use everything he says we know that God causes everything everybody shout everything he said I'll use everything in your life the good and the bad to work together for the good of those who do their part and love God, and then do my part, which is the call according to His purpose. He said, I've got purpose for you. And so I'm going to work everything in your life towards that purpose. And some of you think, man, I've gone too far. I've done too much. You just don't know. Listen to me. You've not done too much. And you've not gone too far. The biggest lie of the enemy, look at me, I really believe this. The, the biggest lie of the enemy is not to tell you not to serve God. I really believe that. I think once, once it is, it's overwhelming the gospel is compelling. Once you give your heart to Jesus, once you go all in and surrender your heart and He saves you, I really think the devil's number one objective after that is to derail you from your purpose, to make you feel like there's just no way He could be talking to you. Romans has it that way. He said, the writer of Romans, I think Paul writes to the church in Rome and he says, God's gifts. This, I love this translation. This is the message. He says, God's gifts, listen close, and God's call on your life. Point, point at your chest. Just I poke yourself right in the chest. God's call on my life is under full warranty. I love this phrase. Listen to this. It's never canceled and it's never rescinded. Now leave this passage here and look at me. Never means never. It means 25 years after you've repressed down that calling on your life, it's still there. 
It means that 10 years after the biggest tragedy of your life, losing a child or losing a spouse or, or divorce that fell apart, a marriage that fell apart, you think, man, I don't know if I can ever get out of this. I don't know if I have calling anymore. I was doing this thing. I was going this direction. But I don't know. This ditch in the road opened up. And God says, no, no, no. You don't understand how this works. I come under full warranty. I'm never taking it back. Everybody else may take it back. He may walk out on you. She may leave you. The business may fold. God says that has nothing to do with my call in your life. Listen to me 40, 50 year old. I know I'm younger than you, but look at my eyes. I really believe the hardest part of us to understand is not God could save me. You believe that. The hardest part is that God could still use me. That God could still, God still has a plan for my life. Doesn't matter how bad it's been. Doesn't matter what sin I've involved in. Doesn't matter how far I've gone. If God gave you purpose, He doesn't recall the purpose off of your life. Shout amen to that, everybody. So how do you do it? What do you do from that? First of all, listen close. Let me give you a couple of steps and, I, and, and I'm going to end quickly. First of all, you have to realize that you have a spiritual gift. Romans 12 says we all have different gifts. According to the, underline this line in your Bible, grace that's been given to us. Now listen close. This is not grace that saves you. This is, this is kairos grace. This is charis grace. Charis grace is a divine enablement. That's what it literally means. I call it your grace gift. I really believe that God has given everybody here. It is your unique instruction from God. And 1 Corinthians says, follow the way of love and then eagerly ask God, what is my spiritual gift? Like, what's the thing that I have? You say, well, how do I do that? What do I do? Let me give you three easy ways and we'll pray and I'll let you go. Here's the first one. Did you write this down? You got to discover your gift, everybody. You got to discover what it is God's called you to do. I, I didn't say you have to ask somebody. This is a discovery process that only you can have. Look at me. I can't, I can't preach you into purpose. You can only discover it. It's that aha moment when you look in your life and you go, this is what God's called me to do. This is, this is the thing God created me for. You look at how He designed you. And I think that that design will help you to show you what He wants you to do. He said in Psalms 139, God, you made me. You know that weird thing you got? that He made that. Jeremy, stand up on the, on the front row. That's what you get for sitting in the front row, Bob. I've told you. If you don't know this, Jeremy Bartlett is, he owns his, he's a business owner, he's an entrepreneur. For years, he worked for the San Antonio Spurs. That's your coyote right there, everybody. Come on. So, yeah. There better be bigger Spurs fans than that. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Get out of here with that Laker business. Now he, he owns his own business where he, he speaks in, in schools literally around America in different programs and education programs and bull, anti-bullying and, and purpose and design. And the other day, and he uses mascots. He trains mascots all over the world, literally. Professional teams all over. He, he trains their mascots. The other day, you put something on social media, you didn't know. And he literally, he had a picture of him in front of this, this room full of elementary students. And he said, I'm doing, I'm doing the thing, or I forget how you said it. I'm, like, I'm doing the thing I was created to do. Doing the thing I was called to do. Listen, to you, thanks, Jeremy. To you, it just looks like a mascot. To him, it looks like calling. Like there's a reason why he can flip around and do all that crazy stuff with that big finger. You know what I'm saying? 
you made that. You, you, you knew me and, and knit me together in my mother's womb. And, and then I love how David says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Now, all the men look at your wife and say, he's talking about you. <laughs> so wonderfully complex. He says, your workmanship is marvelous. When I look back over my life, I realize that my design reveals my destiny. That I was designed this way. Listen, I don't know how else to tell you, and I'm just going to be real straight up with you because that's all I know how to do is just be honest with you. At 14, when somebody put a microphone in my hand, it changed my life forever. If I wasn't doing this, I'd be on late night at the Apollo. You know what I'm saying? I'd be doing something. Kevin Hart who? I'm the original short funny dude. Look at me. I just know this is what I'm designed to do. I struggled. I, I, I really did. I struggled in my teenage life. I didn't come from a family of preachers. Nobody. Grandparents. Four generations back. I don't have a single preacher in my family. I just know this. God designed me this. And every time I stand in front of you, I'm living in my destiny. Because I'm designed this way. I, it, it's, it, listen. You say, well, how do I find out how I'm designed? Well, I know how. you got to get close to the one who designed you. Ephesians says it this way. It's in Christ that we find out who we are. Every college student, listen to me. It's not in your counselor at UTSA. It's in Christ. Find your purpose. Find out what you're supposed to be living for. Long before you chose Him, He had His eye on you. I love the Bible. He had designs on us. Not for mediocre living, but for glorious living. Part of the overall, there it is, purpose that He's working out in everything and everyone. He said, I have a plan for you. So Colossians says everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, everything in my life, everything I've been through, look at me, everything you've been through, up until this point, finds purpose. That's where you can discover your purpose. You, you got to discover your gift and then you got to develop it. You got to sort of go after it and go, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Ephesians says, but each of us has that. Each of us has that grace gift. Each of us have been given as Christ apportioned. So Christ gave himself apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers too. If you want to know what pastors are supposed to do, maybe you were raised and you think, I don't even know what they do. Like, I know they stand up there and do this whole thing. Let me give you my job description. Listen to me. This is what, this is my life's calling. Is to equip you to find your purpose. Like, that's really what I'm called to do. Discipleship is not about learning more stuff about God. Listen to me. Discipleship. Is finding out what I'm supposed to do with my life. What's my purpose? What was I created for? Once you, dis once you sort of decide that and you develop that gift, then you just got to use your gift. Then you just got to... This, this is the purpose of your life. Some of you are wondering, what is my purpose? Your purpose is to use the gift you have. The story in the New Testament of the talents, the, the master 
gives talents to the servants. And he says, now go do something with them. And when they came back, they were not supposed to answer for anybody else's life. Any ditch that they encountered, any distraction, anything the enemy tried to do. All he wanted to know is, what did you do with what I put in your hand? How'd you use your gift? Look at me. When you get to heaven, you will not have to answer for why he left you. You will not have to answer for why that business folded. That will not be his question to you. You will not have to answer for what, why didn't this why didn't this work out? What, what happened to this bit? Why did you sink all your life? You don't have to answer. You want as long as you as long as you've buried your sins under the blood of Jesus, you won't even have to answer for your sin. The blood answers for that. But you and I will have to answer one question. What did you do with what I gave you? First Peter says God has given us gifts from His variety of spiritual gifts. So manage them well. Manage them well. Why? Like, why would I have to manage them? Well, let me tell you. Because when you do that, you live your best life serving God. Here's the way Hebrews says it. God is not unjust. You're, you're not going to get to the end of your life and God go, well, t- tell me why she didn't do that. I don't know why. I, I can't answer. But tell me why he, he walked out. I don't know. But tell me why this happened. I don't know why that. He said, no, 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 no. I'm not unjust like that. I just want to know about your work and the love you have for. Who's that right there? Who's he talking about? He said, you're going to show me that you have love for me. How? Because you helped. Yes. Here's the way I like to say it. Here's the last thing you can write down and then you can close your notes. My purpose is to serve God by serving other people. Close your notes and stand to your feet all over the house. If the first thing I want you to do is know God, you don't have to write this down. We write it down everywhere for you. If my second purpose is is to find freedom in my life, listen to me. If God's ultimate plan for you is that you know God, not know about Him, but know Him fully. And then it's to help you find freedom from your past, settle your yesterdays. Here's the last thing. God has designed you to discover your purpose. And really, my whole, my whole, my whole prayer for you, honestly, next week I'm going to tell you, if you'll do all of that, what will happen in your life? I'm going to give you the secret. To, literally, the, the un, this is the linchpin that unlocks the secret to fulfillment in your life. Just find out what I'm supposed to be doing. So bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody moving but our team. Give me two more minutes and I'll let you go. With every eye closed, let me ask you an honest question. If you know that you're saved, on your way to heaven, if you feel like you're working on settling your yesterdays, finding freedom, but if you're struggling with purpose, If you just think, man, you've caught me. Like, that's where I am. What am I supposed to do with what I've got? Like, how could God still use me with all of my stuff and all of my baggage and all of my sins, everything in my past and all? How did, what, what is my, if that's you, nobody's looking around. I just want you to boldly raise your hand and say, man, would you include me in this prayer? I see you. I see your hands up all over the building. Keep your hand up. Be bold about it. What, what am I supposed to do with my life? 
Why would I have walked through all this? Why did I, what did I have to endure all that? I see you. Put your hands down and let me include you in this prayer. Now, Father, I pray for every person whose hand was raised and the people who really didn't even have the strength to do that. They just feel so lost and I know I'm supposed to be doing something else. I just don't know what it is. I've got caught in this ditch. I've been clawing my way out of this divorce. I've been clawing my way out of this struggle, out of this miscarriage. I've been clawing my way out of this business failure, out of this financial problem, out of this foreclosure. And I've lost sight of my purpose. Father, I don't care how long it's been or how buried they feel in this moment. Open their spiritual eyes. God, open their eyes to discover their purpose. To really find that unique thing that God graced them to do. That if they don't do it, it won't get done. That there's nowhere else, no no other person on planet earth who has ever lived or ever will who can do what they were created to do. That there's destiny in them. Father, I pray in this very moment you would literally lift their heads to destiny. To see higher than where they are. Higher than the problems that they're currently in. I know it looks like they're drowning now, but there's potential still there. There's purpose still there. It may be buried under a bunch of other stuff. Under a bunch of lies of the enemy. But God, you said you would redeem us with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. God, reach down for somebody right now who's struggling in their problem. Struggling, feeling inferior. Feeling like not enough. Lift them up out of that. Lift their heads, I pray, out of that of worthlessness and help them see they're a masterpiece of God designed with destiny with potential with more Father with mighty acts of judgment I pray against everything that would stand in the way of their destiny I I pray you you would go to battle for them against the things that are battling them That God, you would heal them. You would deliver them. You would fix this problem. This thing that that is overwhelming to them. Feels like there's just no way beyond it. I pray every work of the enemy would be thwarted right now. Everything that he would stand in the way. Every roadblock. Everything that would come in between them and their destiny. You would remove it with mighty acts of judgment. And that in this very moment, literally on the third weekend of September. That their spiritual eyes would open. The scales would fall off. And they could discover the purpose of their lives serving you a serving somebody else living for somebody bigger than me listen you will live no better life than when you get your eyes off your own problems on your off your own stuff and you start living for somebody else let that happen today in this room i thank you for it i believe you for it in jesus name stay in this moment right now till you feel it happen in you in Jesus name everybody shout a big amen 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 come on let's give God praise all over the house for his word